Hello, one and all. I'm Sinead McDevitt, and this is Panther Channel, the call-in podcast where we get in touch with folks around the pit community to find out what they are watching. I've got three guests for this first episode lined up, so without further ado, let's meet our first caller. My name is Kelly, and I am a junior political science major. And um, I am a, a, a opinions writer. So Kelly, what have you been watching recently? So the one thing that I've been watching recently is Attack on Titan. Um, it's an anime, but I feel like it's gone really big for an animated show. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. So basically, um, the storyline's amazing. Um, the more that I continue watching it and the more seasons come out, um, it's very, it's so like intricately written. It's like, I would say like one of the best like written shows just because like everything's so well thought of. Uh, could you give us like sort of a brief synopsis? So basically it's about the main character, Erin who lives in this fine society and there's like walls around the his entire like um, town and so that's all he growing up and then um, one day um, a titan takes down the wall so then um, his two best friends Mikasa and Armin um, kind of join him to like join the Soviet Corps, which is like the military branch that deals with like um, killing Titans and stuff like that. So, um, and then throughout this like journey of like training, and they're moved into like the 142nd like survey court group so then we follow along like this group of like trainees come from like trainees like actual like soldiers and then you just learn more about like where the towns come from and why they're just like roaming outside the walls and it's yeah um no spoilers but it's so insane thank you so much Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. That sounds totally awesome. Do you know where people can watch it if they're interested? Um, yeah, so you can either watch it on Crunchyroll, but I think you have to get like the premium version, which like, no one's got time for that. Um, you can also watch it on Hulu as subbed and subbed, but I think the English version only covers like the first three seasons. So after that, like, you would have to just read subtitles. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye. Hi, I'm Dr. Dana Ock. I'm the Director of Undergraduate Studies for Film and Media Studies on the Critical Studies track. I teach the TV class. That is one of the required classes for the Television Broadcast Arts uh, Certificate. Okay, great. So what shows have you been watching recently? 
I watch television all day, all night. I am the older generation. So I actually do still have cable. Um, although uh, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, pulling out of AT&T sports and hockey might finally be the thing that gets me to cancel cable. Um, but I do tend to have the TV on all the time. That's not to say that I'm actively watching it all the time, but there are a few shows that I stop and, and pay a lot of attention to. Uh, Mandalorian, of course, is one. I watch all of the Star Wars shows, but not all with the same excitement or um, attention to detail. Uh, but one that I'm very enthusiastic about uh, in general is Reservation Dogs, which has not been canceled yet. Uh, it finished its second season. We're waiting for the third season currently. That shows on FX on Hulu. And it is, um, it's just amazing. I, I think it's it, it's a, a, a wildly pleasurable show. Um, there hasn't been that many shows that have concentrated on indigenous people in the United States. Um, we've had occasional characters here and there, like on Northern Exposure or um, Resident Alien, which is on sci-fi. I, I watched that one on Dexter, New Blood on Showtime. There were some indigenous characters, but Reservation Dogs is actually showrun developed and showrun written, directed, starring all indigenous people. And that is a first for the, for the United States. And um, it is a 30 minute show usually, but it is uh, that line that it is more like a drama mixed with comedy rather than a straight sitcom. Okay. Um, can you like uh, talk about like an episode or something that really stands out to you? There are a number of episodes that really stand out to me. Um, in the uh, TV analysis class, we always end up watching uh, one that's called Hunting, uh, which has one of the main characters, um, Willie Jack, goes hunting with her dad. And then they deal with the trauma of the um, one of their, the, her cousin, one of their crew, of the teenagers took his own life. And that is the um, inciting incident of the whole show, but we don't see him that often. Uh, what we do is uh, his, as an inciting event, it's what kind of sets the show off. So that it is always a motivation for everyone's activities and a traumatic event that is haunting literally everyone in the community. But the cool thing about Reservation Dogs is that every episode is about someone else in the community. So um, a lot of times whenever we talk about television, we look at to the pilot is an important episode. But I find the the um, the pilot episode to not be as interesting or exciting as the other ones because they had to sell the show on it. So they sell it as Reservoir Dogs reservation dogs um, that plays more initially into a stereotype of what we imagine living on the reservation is like. So the kids are low-grade criminals, but um, 
Star Starling Harjo, who directs it, who's the showrunner with Taiki Watiti, which I can always address how how that works. Uh, pretty sorry, I, it's not just a show. I always drop in the extra stuff behind the scenes because it is literally my job to know these things. Um, that um, that he has it that their crime that they do, which would in some sort of sense reinforce kind of stereotypes about Native Americans on reservation and crime and not not having much future stuff like that that white america imagines he he gives us this kind of stereotypical situation right off the bat but they're stealing cheetos flaming hot cheetos <laughs> but they're not even stealing something that's really going to get them any money or or anything and later in season 2 they're like uh, everybody knew it was you all who stole it but we're just not going to turn you in because we're not going to turn you into the white police <laughs> and get you in trouble. And you all need to stop like hurting your own community, which is a great kind of follow through from the pilot later on. But we kind of get that set out to bring in potentially um, wider demographics, white audiences, make it recognizable through Tarantino but then by the second episode third episode we are kind of like the show Orange is the New Black we're we're in with each of the individual teenagers with their aunties the uncles from the like uh not not blood relatives necessarily but community that that functions as family that we meet all the different people and they get their own episodes and um, there's always a combination of character study and um, indigenous mythology. And the great awesome thing about Reservation Dogs is they do not explain the indigenous mythology to the white viewers. So that, that the show, while being accessible to white audiences, does not center white audience needs but they have to appeal because there's not enough um, indigenous population in the country to keep the show on the air by being indigenous focused only. Um, but the, the shows are always this wonderful combination of comedy, trauma, drama, <laughs> um, serialization, episodic, and um, even for like the day where Willie Jack and her dad go hunting we feel the depth of the love of the family. And that is something to me that is really significant, especially in, um, in you know, in some sense, America often teaches, uh, treats uh, indigenous population as if they are an immigrant population. Yeah. This sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, right? It's right. like- have othered the indigenous of this nation. So in some sense, a lot of times narratives that that look to indigenous stuff. Sorry, this is like I this is whenever I just pop in. I'm like, let me give you a half an hour class on something that I really like. <laughs> no, um, no, I love it. You you can keep going. Uh, the the indigenous, you know, the indigenous population is oftentimes treated as if it is immigrant. And with that othering narrative that we're so used to with television narratives, it will imagine that the only way for um, an immigrant family, an othered, a minoritized identity to become truly American is to walk away from your family, to walk away from your community, to imagine your mother and father as the thing that is holding you 
back from becoming fully American. But that's mythology, right? That's that's the whiteness myth of America. Um, and uh, in Reservation Dogs, they refuse to do that. Um, even though the inciting incident in the premise is that these teenagers want to get off of the Oklahoma reservation and go to California, they actually don't want to do it because they want to do it. They want to do it because the their friend who took his own life, that's what he wanted to do. So they're just kind of want to fulfill his last wish. And then in the hunting episode that I mentioned, Willie Jack tells her dad that this is her plan. And he 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 supports her, but it's like, wh why? Why would you want to separate yourself from your community? And um, the audience has asked the same thing. And we see that community is not what's holding them back, right? We get this show... A lot of times TV and, and media and culture will say that the individual um, is the one who can make their own path and that there's no systemic oppression. Reservation Dogs, right off the bat, after that first episode I just told you about that was kind of the like appealing to white America episode in particular, the second episode is about the difficulty of trying to get health care as a Native American in this country. Yeah. Immediately we went to systemic oppression, to issues that that are the reason that reaching kind of the white American dream is so hard for the indigenous population. But the show took us immediately and, and highlighted that, that it's actually questions of access, policing, money, um, not uh, different insurance questions. And uh, that's not that typical to see in, in television at all. My name is Alexandra or Ali Ross, and I am a double major in English writing on the nonfiction track and Spanish. I also am an assistant news editor for the Pit News. Okay, great. So what have you been watching? Recently, I just watched all of season one of Severance on Apple TV Plus, I think it is. Um, I had actually watched the first episode of it for a class. I was taking TV analysis at the time. Actually, it was the class that you were in. Um, I ended up dropping it, unfortunately. It was a really interesting class, but uh, I didn't have room for it in my schedule. But we watched the pilot of Severance, and I just thought it was like really interesting. And I know that my family had Apple TV Plus, so when I was home for spring break and I was trying to avoid doing homework and all that stuff, I decided to start watching like the second episode, and I got totally hooked. And I thought it was just like so good. So I'm now I'm really excited for season two, which is supposed to come out sometime this year. That's awesome. So can you give me like the the rundown? Like, what's the pitch for it? Mm -hmm. So basically, it's a story about this company called Lumen and this procedure that they do on some of their employees called severance. It's a severance procedure. And in the severance procedure, they make your memory uh, like spatially dictated. So when you are inside the building, um, actually, it's like you have to go down the elevator to like the severance floor uh, while you're in the elevator, your brain kind of makes this switch. And you don't remember anything from outside, like the outside world while you're in that building. And then when you leave at the end of the day, you go up the elevator, your brain does the kind of same switch again. And so when you're outside the building, you don't remember anything that happened while you were at work that day. 
so it's kind of like the ultimate like work-life separation um and it kind of sounds nice like <laughs> when you first uh, hear about it but as the show kind of shows throughout all these episodes there's a lot of um downside to that especially because it kind of splits you into two separate people they call them the innie and the outie and so for the innie which is the person who's at work all the time they have no memory of sleeping they have no memory of ever taking a break they have no memory of like good food you know like all the things that you enjoy in your normal life they don't realize exists it just feels like they are perpetually in the building and like never leaving which is kind of terrifying <laughs> but then the person who's the Audi all they know is the best parts of life you know they know relaxing they know that they're happy um and so the any desperately wants to get out of the system but the Audi is the one who has to submit the resignation and they never want to quit so it's it's very like dystopian um and it's like raises such interesting questions about like the self and like if it's possible to like be two different people as it kind of portrays in the show um yeah that's that's so cool um yeah so do you have anything else you want to say about it um I don't know I mean they have some really good suspenseful cliffhangers in there I mean obviously the company that's doing this if they were up to like regular work activities this wouldn't really be necessary they're doing some shady stuff (laughs) is the reason why they don't want their employees to really remember what's going on at work so there's a whole it's not just about like the the severance aspect of it it's also about lumen and what's going on in the company and you find out like interesting things about the characters like their innie selves versus their outie selves how they're similar and how they're different and like how they uh, rationalize their decision to do the severance because that's the other thing it's all like consensual like you have to like sign paperwork and like take a video of yourself like consenting to the procedure before you do it and all this stuff I'll just say that I very very highly recommend it to anyone who's into thrillers um, anyone who likes interesting characters and suspenseful stuff not scary but just like you're always like oh my god I have to watch the next episode like it's it's really hard to not binge watch it Thank you so much for listening. If you are a member of the Pit community and are interested in being on the show, you can reach out to me at digital at pitnews.com. Please put Panther Channel somewhere in the subject and we can talk about getting you on this podcast. Have a nice day. Maybe check out a couple of these shows and have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.